of Breaking Kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry. Or, Barry, tell me which one of these three alternate titles do you think would be good? Are we going number one in Panama? You like that one, Bear? That's my favorite. We are number one in Panama. I have no idea why, but we are. That's our first choice. Second choice, courtesy of Jake Hammer. We are a happening. We are a happening. I like that, too. And Jake's a good friend. I like that. Okay. Or number three, I think you're going to like this one, courtesy of uh, Judd Philot. The Barry Rose Show, because apparently, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I did. I saw that. Judd apparently well, thinks this is the Barry Rose Show. I'm, yeah, I, I'm, uh, and I I'm happy just that. to be here with you, Barry. Well, I, you're my sidekick, Jeff. As hey, your, thank you. I really as your am. late father once called me, uh, your sidekick, exactly. <laughs> Remember that? You're you're my sidekick. Oh, I, need my I gotta tell you, it, there's not a lot of podcasts, whether it's talking about professional wrestling, food, or anything. That's number one in the country of Panama. We've got that on lockdown. I'm taking number it. Number one, we're, we're more popular than Renee Paquette's podcast, than Jim Cornette's podcast. Oh, oh. That's right. I said it, brother. I said yeah. it. I stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry. On this particular episode of this fine podcast, I will tell you, we are joined by the man of a thousand gimmicks, the New Jersey heartthrob, Secret Service, Jack O. Victory. Yes, it's Jack Victory joining us, Barry. It's a pleasure talking to Jack. And the reason we have Jack Victory on, courtesy of our friend Nick Massey, the captain, is our match of the week, Barry, just so happens to be a match with Hollywood John Tatum and Jack Victory taking on Tommy Rogers, Bobby Fulton, the Fantastics. We're going July 12, 1986 to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the winds go whistling down the plains. Barry Rose, are you ready for today's show? It's breaking down in Tulsa. I used to love when Jim Ross used to say, they're moving some furniture, but they ain't got their union cards. That's what uh, what the cowboy used to say. So besides all that, a couple things before we get started, Barry. We're also going to have some Florida man or not. Oh, Barry, because we know that you love a good food-related conversation. We're going to be offering up burger chains worse first. But there is one notable omission. Am I correct, Mr. Rose? You are correct, and I'm still not happy about that. Well, if Barry Rose isn't happy, I'm not happy. There you go. We're shutting we get this to down. Yes, yeah, before we get to our match of the week and the rest of our show, I do want to throw out one little uh, little uh, thing for the uh, the group that I want everyone to remember. Uh, I posted recently, Barry, that our, our friend of the show, our brother Michael Ahern, was in the hospital. He's in need of a kidney transplant. Uh, we want Michael to know that we're thinking about him. We also want to let people know that, you know, donating, whether it's a kidney or another organ or something like that, is something you know, that you might want to consider because here Michael uh, is on a waiting list for a kidney. And, uh, you know, it's all about if someone else donates uh, a kidney to someone, somebody else, what happens is it moves Michael up on the national registry. Uh, Barry, donating is always something that we want to encourage here on Breaking Cafe with Bowdrin and Barry. Especially something like that because you're saving a life. And there was a story. Do you remember this story? I'll say it's 10 to 15 years ago. There was a wrestler in TNA Sonny Sokoa, I think was his name, and he actually uh, donated a kidney. One, of, I believe it was a relative, donated a kidney. It wound up cutting his career short. But, I mean, that's a sacrifice right there where the guy said, you know, I love my relative. I, I'm going to donate the kidney even if I can't wrestle anymore. Michael, obviously, you've known him for decades at this point, Jeff. We will keep our fingers crossed that he gets what he needs. 
So, all right. Now, Barry, it's time for us to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and let's do a little Match of the Week conversation. Very time for a little Match of the Week, and it has been the proverbial hot tick since we have been to the rings of the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation. Yes, I'm talking Bill Watts's UWF, Barry. Today we're going July 12th, 1986, quality uh, investigative journalism by me there as I actually wrote the date down. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, as it is one of my friend, brother Jeff Steele's favorite all-time tag teams. Yes, Hollywood John Tatum and Jack Victory taking on Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers, the Fantastics. Barry, you had a chance to watch Missy Hyatt at ringside, I should mention. You had a chance to watch this match. Tell the folks what you thought about it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of John Tatum and Jack Victory as well, and it was uh, super this, super underrated tag team, I think. Yeah, you know what it was too. This was two guys that, in theory, were kind of opposites, right? Like they they didn't look alike. There was no reason to pair them together, and sometimes you pair these teams together and you get some sort of magic. And as it turns out, these guys struck gold. These guys really were a good team. Having Missy in the corner was a really great, you know, setup and a great spot. They then became, I think, part of uh, Hyatt and Hot Stuff International. I think we all know what happened uh, there. How, how did that end, Barry? I don't think it ended well. It, uh, <laughs> as professional wrestling, when you date your coworkers, in most cases, it does not end. At least it used to. It used to end bad almost all the time. Are you saying it, it ends badly, especially when the person you're dating has a bit of a roving eye? I think so. And it's, uh, yeah, and everybody. Not to disparage a former guest on our fine podcast. No, we've already, we've already disparaged that fine guest numerous times. So I think we're safe, but. Then we burned that bridge to the ground. We burned that bridge so far deep. Exactly. But she was, uh, look, she was fantastic. I've gone on record, uh, multiple times saying that I think the, my favorite female manager, valet, whatever, you know, woman wrestler even. There was no one more beautiful than Missy Hyatt between that 85 through 87 period. And this is a great example. You know what? And Missy, too, I, I think she took a lot of shit throughout her career. I think a lot of it was deserved. Uh, but at the same time, she does her job well, right? When you look at this match, maybe we were a little hard on Missy because – she does There's a lot of people that were well. a little hard on Missy. Oh, did I go there? I'm sorry. You did. And look, it's a lot of that's public record. She's written about it in her book. She's, uh, I don't think she shies away from it. I mentioned too, when, when I, I was able to meet Missy and be a part of this Q and A that she was doing, she's very, you know, she's very open and uh, out there when she says stuff. There, you know, there, there's no embarrassment for the family at this stage is what I get from it. So, uh, and you got the Fantastics. We've talked with them. Uh, we talked about them previously. We talked to Bobby Fulton years ago on the show. And the Fantastics, to me, as workers, were very good. My criticism, which I've stated, I'm not a fan of the butt wiggling and butt shaking. I, I really didn't like that. Uh, I didn't love. So you're saying you were not one of the people at ringside hugging Tommy and Bobby as they went by? I didn't see any guys doing that. So, no, I was oh. not one of those guys. And to their credit, I, every female in the building is basically down there hugging these guys. They were super over. And, and I really wanted to state what I didn't like, which is that butt, butt wiggling and that shit, which I always hated. Never a big fan of the sequin jacket and the bow ties with that. Apparently Bobby Fulton's sequin jacket was recently stolen 
at a NWA taping in Atlanta, and apparently he's devastated. But with that, his workers, these guys were right up there as maybe two of the best. Tommy Rogers especially. I mean, and I don't think you'll find somebody that knows anything about pro wrestling that won't say if Tommy Rogers had been six or seven inches taller, this guy would have been in contention for for something bigger. He was that good of a worker, I think. And that's not to take away from Bobby Fulton, who also was an excellent worker. Put these guys together, and you've got a great matchup. And that's what this match was. It's a lot of fun. And UWF, Bill Watts' UWF, for me, really holds – and I think you you as well, Jeff, because you loved you know Mid-South into UWF. But for me, this might be the last great territory. And I know it was – not a territory. It was a promotion, but let's be honest. For the most part, it was really centered around three states. I know that they made a tour all across the country, maybe even twice, but that never went anywhere. This was a essentially a regionalized promotion, and I loved it. I, you know, it used to air. I think it aired on Channel Thirty Three back in WBFS. Uh, was it? Was it Thirty Three back yes. in? Uh, yeah, and I remember they would air it Sunday nights at like 9 or 10 o'clock, and then they would air another one. They had two different shows. They would air one Saturday nights around midnight, 1 o'clock, and I would always and there, was, there was the regular show, and then there was the Power Pro. Yeah, so which one was the was the main? Was that the regular? That was the, uh, the regular show that was on Sunday nights was the regular, uh, you know, okay. Joe Watts Presents. Then the Power Pro was sort of, they did like some recap. They would show older matches. Uh, promos to uh, push their uh, storylines, that kind of stuff. Maybe uh, that's you know, which, what we were seeing on on yeah, Saturday yeah. night. Okay, it was it was great being in South Florida, being able to see Power Pro because we got to see all these old matches that we had never seen. Uh, you know, that took place you know six months before or, or something like that. So it was nice to be able to kind of you know you uh, you went back and you were able to see some of the stuff that led to the programs that uh, you were watching currently. It was a great way to do the product. I'm sure for people that you know lived in the Mid South area, maybe it was like, oh, we're seeing this again, you know. But for uh, for new viewers, it was it was really good. What I liked about the UWF TV show too, and I used to for me that was kind of that block. I loved the NWA at that time. They hadn't made that conversion to WCW, and the NWA we had that block on Sunday nights, right? And it was like the Gordon Soli Joe Pettisino program pro wrestling this week and then there was an hour of like uh worldwide from nwa and then that power pro would come on and i think that was the order and that was such a fun time to be a wrestling fan and bill watts and i've said this multiple times he may be the, the best booker ever or at least he's in contention he could take guys that normally you didn't really care about or give a shit about, and he made them compelling. And he did it with everybody. To me, I, I could sit there start to finish on every UWF show, and I liked it. And uh, it, I, as I was saying, I think it was like the last great territory of when I was getting excited about television. And what he did, and again, I think – the only way I can equate any of this to AEW currently is even though AEW has got a lot of issues, it does. I mean, when it comes to booking, especially in continuity, but at the same time, I'm never really bored with AEW, you know? 
yeah, occasionally, you know, maybe it's a Riho match. I'm not a gigantic fan. But at the same time, it is essentially compelling two hours for me. UWF, same shit. I, I sat there. I don't think I even blinked. I loved everything. Even the Savannah Jack matches, Jeff, I would still watch with great enthusiasm. And he was no great worker. So this match, really good. Again, I think you've got the Fantastics. And we've talked, you know, we who was the best team out of these three fabulous ones fantastics rock and roll express but you know it's how i'm happy to hear that brother jeff Steele realizes the greatness this underappreciated greatness of tatum and victory and one of the things i did is when i was finished watching this match i googled uh tatum and victory they apparently did team at other other areas they went to uh texas they were in world class they were in global apparently at one point as well as working Wild West. So these guys, they they were able to take this act somewhere else. To me, it's a shame, too. And I know that, you know, I know something. I think Tatum may have gotten injured. I don't know what happened. But victory went off on his own. Tatum seemed to kind of just fade away, maybe retire. And that was basically it. And I, I think I think they had it. There was something here. I think these two guys could have gone farther. I think if it was the 70s, territories were around these guys would have bounced territory to territory with that they didn't have a lot of options in the early 90s i guess jeff so yeah this is uh this is a really uh a fun match uh you know like we've talked before barry is this like masawa versus kobashi no but you know you got 15 20 minutes to kill and you pop this match on and you get to watch missy hyatt uh you know work in the crowd at ringside and you know and they fucking hated Missy Hyatt, boy, especially the uh, the females in the audience. And these four guys just had a certain chemistry working together. Uh, you know, Tatum and Victory just bumping their asses off, looking great. Uh, the uh, the the fifth man, if, if you will, in the ring is uh, is of course veteran Tommy Gilbert. Uh, I always thought it's funny when uh, when Eddie would come out and uh, be in yeah. a situation, and Tommy was the ref. Uh, no uh, no bias there whatsoever. I love the fact that on uh, on color commentary, you have Michael Hayes, who I think is really good, generally speaking, as a color commentator, and he's someone that kind of time forgot. He was one of the first really great. He and Jesse Ventura were the two guys that really started off as being great color commentators. But during this particular match, if you listen, uh, Michael spends a lot of time uh, promoting the fact that he's got a new record coming out, which I, right. <laughs> which I thought was pretty hilarious. You know? I love it's that. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a uh, there's a body slam. By the way, the boys are back in town is coming out. On the, <laughs> we're going to have uh, so-and-so. Uh, there's some guy that uh, was from, I think, 38 Special or something that, like, worked in the studio and uh, helped him out. But uh, besides all that, uh, yeah, let me ask you, Jack Victory, one of the things I remember about Jack Victory, was Jack Victory not, in fact, billed as the New Jersey heartthrob? I think he was. I think originally. Which I thought was a fantastic, just, just like yeah, fully out there kind of gimmick, like the New Jersey heartthrob. It was kind of funny. Jack Victory threw one of the great-looking punches I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, His work was very solid. Uh, there's nothing at all to complain about, but boy, he threw a great looking punch. Ja, John Tatum was a classic Southern heel. I loved when he would do the thing where he would get punched in the stomach or punched in the face and he would turn and do the crybaby uh, face to the, uh, the fans and to the cameras. He did a, a, oh, he was so good at doing that. Um, 
So uh, the finish of the match, you have, uh, and by by the way, that's after the uh, the promos and the commercials that are included on the clip too, uh, which is always nice. But uh, you have Missy Hyatt interfering. Go figure, that never happens. But my question is, Barry. Now this is a callback from something that happened over 35 years ago. Do you remember? And I'm thinking it might have been this match. There was a very famous incident where apparently, because what happens at the end, you get Dark Journey coming down. And they do a, a big schmoz with Missy and Dark Journey getting into it. And, of course, you know, Jim Ross is like, ah, my God, they're going to go at it. And was this the match where Missy may have had her top come down and a little boobage was shown to the folks what? at ringside? Wow. It, I this match I could here? have sworn there was an incident where Missy had a little boob. I mean, there's nothing little about Missy's boobs. Uh, right. But. I, I thought there was a boob shot that was uh, accidentally done as Dark Journey was, you know, working with her and might have uh, inadvertently grabbed uh, her her top. And uh, the folks at ringside that paid, uh, oh, 10 bucks probably got their money's worth. But uh, so it might have been that. So there's a reason to watch the match right there, Barry. What do you think? I would say, too, I think we need to get one of the super sleuth brother shippers on this case and come up with the footage. Yes. Uh, you know, but uh, of course, because we're just sexist pigs and stuff, we care about nothing Absolutely. else. Absolutely. But uh, I think if nothing else, there's a reason uh, to watch the match right there. But besides the potential of seeing a uh, cleavage shot from uh, the lovely Missy Hyatt, this is a really fun match. Uh, you've got uh, four guys classic southern tag team style wrestling and uh, that's something that barry and i have always big uh, been big fans of i agree completely uh with your comments about tatum and victory uh if they had been around 10 years before i could have very easily seen the, uh, seen these guys work in alabama tennessee maybe coming down to florida uh you know are, are these going to be the kind of guys that headline a, a pay-per-view no maybe not but these are guys you put in the middle of the card and they're going to get reaction from fans. These are going to be guys that are going to always give you a good match, uh, good Southern-style heels, uh, great uh, guys to fill out a card. What say you, Bear? Absolutely, too. And these are these are two guys that if I was booking – you know, a territory back and then I would have figured out a nice spot for them. And, and John Tatum was pretty cool. If I'm correct, John Tatum is a distant relative of Michael Hayes. Yes, I believe, I believe he might have been originally billed as like his brother. I, I think right. when he first debuted, I think he was billed as Franklin Hayes, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, right. yeah. And like he was billed as, but I think it was just like they were, they were friends from somewhere. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So we will post a link to this match from uh, July 12th, 1986. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Bill Watts and the UWF present the Fantastics versus Hollywood, John Tatum, and the New Jersey heartthrob, Jack Victory. Barry, always a good time to be joined by the man that I first knew in pro wrestling circles as the New Jersey heartthrob, Barry Rose. We are joined today by Jack Victory. Jack, welcome, my friend. Hello, guys. Very nice to... uh to, to chat with you on this uh, wonderful weekend. Yes, absolutely. We are, in fact, a Peabody and Sherman award-winning podcast, as we mentioned. Barry, your first memories of Jack Victory as a wrestler. I think my first memories, if I remember correctly, which at this point I'm not quite sure that I do, would have been uh, the UWF days. And, you know, Jack was Jack was positioned. Obviously, Bill Watts saw something in, in Jack victory right there because Jack got that push. But Jack and John Tatum together were just so much fun. It was so exciting to be able to watch them on a weekly basis. So I was a fan. And we just, as Jeff mentioned, we do a review. 
and we just reviewed one of your matches, and I got to tell you, it's a barn burner. So, Jack, let me ask you of your memories of your time working with Hollywood John Tatum. Uh, I believe uh, you started off in uh, world class maybe, but then you made your way. Uh, a lot of guys from world class made their way to work for Bill Watts and your program with with Tommy and Bobby the Fantastics. Uh, any any kind of fond memories or not so fond memories of that time? Yeah, I mean, actually, you, you have it you have it backwards. I actually started with Bill Watts. What the hell do um, I know? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but anyway, I mean, it's 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 all good. I was I was a kid coming out of New Jersey. Uh, you know, everybody has that that dream and passion to be, uh, you know, on the on the, the top circuit and all that stuff. So basically, what what happened is I, I sent tapes. You know, back back in the day, we had uh, you know v, VHS tapes, and um, I sent them all over the place. Bill Dundee was booking for uh, for Bill Watts, and um, he uh, he actually called me, and and he and he was like, "I would like to fly you down to Houston and uh, give you a tryout." And I was like, "Oh my God, this is really cool!" Um, so I flew to Houston, uh, wrestled Sonny King. I don't know if uh, you probably remember Sonny King back in yes, the day. Yes, indeed. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, he was he was uh, he was a great guy. Worked him, you know, Bill Watts, they, he never, uh, he never, uh, stopped from making money. So he did a double shot on a, on a weekend, on a Sunday. So I, I wrestled in Houston, Sonny King, and then we drove, um, I forget where, but we did two shows. Um, they flew me home. Everything was, you know, everything was cool. About two months later, Bill Dundee called me and he goes, I want to change your name to Jack Victory, and I want to fly you in and uh, give you a starting date. And um, that's how that's how Jack Victory became Jack Victory. Well, who did you train with when you were when you were just breaking in? Uh, believe it or not, I I am self taught. Never never went to a wrestling school. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was it, back in the day. I mean, wrestling schools were very very rare. Um, not like today, they were, uh, you know, the sharp school was, I think still available in Jersey area, but, but I never, never went to a wrestling school. I, I started in Pennsylvania, um, working with, uh, DC Drake and, uh, Eddie Miranda, Ted Petty was there. That's, that's, we all, we have basically all trained ourselves, you know? Wow. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> so, so going going into uh, my early days with uh, with Watts, um, Johnny was the push after I was with the Sheep Herders. He came in, and uh, it was actually Ken Mantel was the uh, was the booker after Bill uh, Bill Dundee left. It was Ken Mantel. He brought in Missy. He caught brought in Johnny. And and we really hit it off. We we really gelled um, really good. And Bobby and Tommy um, was like a dream to work with. I mean, just you know, it it, it all gelled. You know. So one of the things that, that I mentioned during our review of the match, and and you know, Barry and I were just talking that it's amazing that uh, you know you you said you were self taught, because one of the things that I said that I always appreciated about you 
is that I thought you threw one of the great-looking punches I've ever seen. So was there a particular guy that you watched and said, yeah, that guy throws a great punch. I'm going to try to, you know, kind of take a little bit of what he did and, and make it my own, or was that just, you know, all you? When I first started, um, the guys that were with with Watts were, were, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better crew, but Ted DiBiase stands out, and he, you know, he would always watch my match. He would always uh, criticize, do this, do that, do this. And and once again, I, I started the same time Shawn Michaels started. So me and Shawn wrestled for probably six months. He taught me, I taught him, um, blah, blah, blah. He had, uh, he had such a bigger career than me. But anyway, it, it was fun. It was fun back in the day, learning, learning the trade. The good news is you don't have the reputation outside the ring that Shawn Michaels had. So, you know, you got that going for you. Well, um, yeah, you're, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very safe, I guess so. But yeah, it is. Uh, so if, talking about your time again, starting out working, you know, what was it like? And I, I'm, I think you came from New Jersey or PA. I did. I, I, I'm a Jersey kid. Jersey gotcha, kid. Right. Uh, yeah, Ocean County, uh, Ocean County area, Tom's River. Gotcha. And you, uh, near Atlantic City, right? Yeah, about 40 miles north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, White House subs, which you're probably familiar with. I think that's the best sub in the entire world. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah. Just fantastic. So what was it like going from Jersey, going from the Tom's River area and then all of a sudden working this territory and the mid south UWF territory was known for really really long car rides what was that like for you wow it was it was it was a way to break in i'll tell you um it was a hotel every night and it was sometimes you would have to drive in your wrestling gear to make the next show that's you know it was it it was a crazy driving territory so you know one of the things uh, people talk about bill watts uh, as a promoter, as a, you know, a booker that he had so much, uh, to offer the pro wrestling business. But there was also that side of Bill Watts where he could be kind of a hard ass, uh, you know, Buddy Landell uh, famously would uh, give up we- literally weeks of pay- paydays, uh, on fines that Bill levied. So when you think back about your time working for Bill Watts, do you think about it positively? Like, you know, hey, I, I learned a lot and uh, really started to grow as a wrestler. Or was it more, God, that guy was such a hard ass and those trips were miserable? Or, or is it a little bit of both? No, it, no. It, to be honest with you, I, I would never, ever uh, give it up to uh, start somewhere else, to be, believe it or not. You know, uh, Grizzly Smith was, was Bill's uh, stooge on the road. Um, everybody knows Grizzly as, you know, Jake's, uh, Jake's daddy. But, uh, so many funny stories with Buddy Landell. I mean, it, it just <laughs> feel free to when, throw one out because I I knew Buddy and I loved him. So go ahead. You know, I remember one time he 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 goes, Bill. He goes, Bill. Just 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 kick me in the balls. Do not just give me my money, Bill. You know, it, it just just funny Buddy Landell stories. It just. If he was late five minutes, it was like, oh, God, here we go again. 
Gotcha. Well, we are joined today by the great Jack Victory. Jack will be part of the big wrestle show taking place Saturday, May the 20th. Jack will be there between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. This is a pretty big show, too, this wrestle show, taking place in uh, Middletown Township, New Jersey. Uh, looks like Danhausen is on the show. John Silver and Alex Reynolds from AEW. Barry Horowitz, Rikishi, Ron. Damn, Ron Simmons is on this. Damn. Jack, Jack, you'll be there as well. I, am I correct, Jack? You don't make a lot of personal appearances. No, I do. I do about three or four a year, which is good. Not oversaturated, but um, it, it's it's such a great uh, great time when we when we all get together and uh, and uh, talk about uh, old school uh, wrestling. So you gotcha. of course you of course uh, you know you mentioned your time with the sheep herders and we recently lost uh, Butch Miller. Uh, we talked about him last episode, but. Uh, as you first, uh, you know, started working with the sheep herders, great memories of working with Luke and Butch. Oh my God. Those two were the best. It was, it was, it was like a 21 year old going, Oh God, <laughs> this is the rest of the business. They were, uh, they were, they were some, they were great guys, man. They were really cool. Yeah. And so. And we saw you too. You were the flag bearer. Uh, you worked with those guys. You became Jacko, which I just thought was a natural as far as that gimmick. Then you formed a tag team with Rip Morgan. What was Rip like? And, and you guys were together for, for quite a while. Yeah. A lot of people don't know Rip is Butch's uh, nephew. So that was, that was like a, 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 like a gel, you know, going from them guys to, to him, uh, to Rip. It was like a natural, natural thing, um, that, that we were put together, uh, doing. So let me ask you, <clears throat> getting back to our, uh, you know, our discussion of the match of the week, uh, one of the things that happened at the finish of the match was, uh, you had Dark Journey come down, uh, with the missing link and, uh, she and Missy get into a big schmoz. And, uh, we were talking that there may have been an absolute, uh, or, uh, an accidental grabbing of Missy's blouse. Uh, and some uh, <clears throat> some exposure, if you will, Jack, of uh, Missy's, uh, uh, you know, points of her own sitting way up high. Uh, but I have heard <laughs> that, uh, that, that I've never it. heard that well, described like well, that. Well, a little Bob Seger <laughs> shout out here. <laughs> that, that, is, that is one way to one way to describe <laughs> it. Huh? So, but I had heard that at the time, and I think since then they've uh, sort of reconciled uh, some of the issues. But at the time, there was some legitimate heat between Dark Journey and Missy. Uh, true or false? Um, I I, I want to say true. Um, we we did do a uh, wrestling convention uh, a couple months back, and uh, they seem to be okay. So I would say the heat is over. Yeah, and they were, I, and I think you're right about that too. There, there was heat, but I know that Missy, uh, I guess there was some heat with John Tatum. You could only figure out why, but I know, I think it was at the gathering in Charlotte that they were able to, uh, come together and they were taking photos together. And I guess, you know, 30 something years later, 35 years later, all's forgiven, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that, that is correct. Yeah, that, that was, a, that was a fun, uh, that was a fun time when we, uh, when we got to see uh, everybody on uh, at the uh, at the gathering, that was a, that was a good time. 
Yeah, and one thing that, that Jeff and I were talking about earlier, and we did, we've already reviewed the match and we put forth the review, and we were talking about, uh, your team with John Tatum, and we really, we really were fans, and you know, Jeff brought up a friend of his that was a fan as well. My theory too is, if you guys had been together five or ten years earlier, you would have traveled the entire country just being a tag team together. You would have gone territory to territory. And my, I guess my question is, a kid growing up and wanting to be a professional wrestler, was that kind of the goal in some ways, to go territory and be able to see the world? Well, back back in the day, it was it – was, uh... You, you were trying to make a paycheck, <laughs> so right. so anything anything that would uh, would keep the uh, the money rolling in would have been uh, would have been a sufficient. A lot of people don't realize that me and Johnny would have been still wrestling today if if he you know he was in a really really bad car accident. He was in a head on head on um, in the back roads of Louisiana, and he almost died. They cut him out of the back the back trunk of a car um yeah i mean he was he was almost dead and uh you know when i went and went to go see him he was in shreveport and he was he was nearly dead a lot of people don't realize that um but uh yeah i mean we would have been still we would have been still working together if 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 that wasn't uh if that wasn't the uh you know if that didn't happen so, you know, one of the things Barry and I, first and foremost, uh, you know, we were wrestling fans and, uh, you know, we, uh, unfortunately like to remind people that uh, combined, we probably, you know, got a hundred years of wrestling fandom between us, uh, you know, started watching us as kids. And, you know, when you see someone that you really latch onto, that's a favorite of yours, you know, like, of course, we grew up when Dusty Rhodes was huge in Florida. So everyone would do their own Dusty impression. So the one thing that, uh, Besides everything else about, about Jack victory that I did as part of my, of my shtick as a wrestling fan is like when I would go visit my parents and we'd go out to dinner, I would sit there and, uh, you know, open the door for my mom and then I'd start talking into my shirt collar and I'd go, uh, uh-uh, Mrs. Baldrin has a reason. <laughs> and so what a great shtick. Who came up with the idea for that shtick, Jack? Oh, that was, that was all Paulie. Um, he, he, he came up with that one. <laughs> that was that was a fun gimmick. Um, like, like I said before, anything to keep the uh, the money rolling in. God, I, I I probably went through what probably six or seven gimmicks when I was with the uh, with WCW. And I was looking at that today, and uh, you know, I I knew some of them, but I was it the blackmailer. I don't I for whatever blackmailer. I th- I think it was the blackmailer. I remember wrestling uh, uh, Dr. Death in Albany, New York, and um, I told him to duck a clothesline, and he did not, and I broke his nose. Um, Yeah, I I splattered his nose all over his face with a clothesline, and, um, you know, I I told him, I said, I told you to duck. And uh, what was his response to that? (laughs) He laughed. He left. He was awesome. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it wasn't the first time his nose was broken. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. That was a great group of guys you had, too, in the UWF and even getting into the early days of when you got into the NWA and I guess it, it you know, formulated into WCW. Who did you really like working with? Who, who for you, if I'm getting in the ring, I know that this is 
going to be a night off in a sense, right? Who was that guy for you? Um, well, I mean, early days, it, it was definitely rock and roll. It was definitely the fantastic. Those were the early days coming into WCW is, is, you know, bringing back Dusty. Um, he's the one that called me and he goes, you know, I, I need a, I need a, uh, I need a Russian assassin too. <laughs> Daddy, I need a wrist in a second too. We, we, I, I like the fact that it. you also do a dusty impression for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. how everybody does. I mean, he's the, he's the reason I he's the reason I got in the business. I mean, when um you know going back to the early days, um during the summer, I always came to uh, West Palm Beach uh, where my relatives lived, and I spent the summer down here. And every Monday night was the West Palm Beach Auditorium, so that's that got you know my wrestling blood in me watching dusty uh you know every monday night yeah the west palm beach auditorium um was was the mecca of uh of wrestling back in the day i mean every monday night they wrestled uh they wrestled at the west palm beach auditorium and and back in the day it, it was king curtis it was ernie ladd wrestlers like that that i actually got to go on the road with once once i broke in back in the day well i'm just gonna say that whether we realized it or not at the time barry rose we may have been because barry and i often went to the west palm beach auditorium we may have been at some of the same cards as a young jack victory barry that's pretty cool because we had no idea so in context jeff and i are both south florida guys and uh i was yeah i was probably in the west palm beach auditorium i'll say at least my home base was miami beach which was wednesday and then i would do fort lauderdale on fridays but as you said west palm beach being on monday you mentioned king curtis which probably put you in that 75 to 76 range and then exactly yeah, and then Ernie Ladd came just a few months later in 77, but West Palm right. Beach was a great place to see professional wrestling. And Jeff's right, we were there many times, so we may have crossed paths with, with young Jack Victory. We, yeah, we might have been there at the same time. I remember, I remember we, we used to get the front row, and I think it was like $7. Yeah. $7. That's it. Uh, yeah, Barry would never it. spend that kind of money. I, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I was looking always to sneak in through the back, Jeff, if I could, to avoid the $7. But, but Jack is right. You could sit front row in the 70s, even into the early 80s. You could sit front row at anywhere with the exception of St. Petersburg for about six or seven bucks. I mean, that's yeah, you know, I, that's I, the I yeah, I, yeah, I, it was it was the best seven dollars that I ever spent. Right, you know, it was <laughs> exactly. so cool. Yeah. yeah. So let, let me ask you. You know, you were talking about going from uh, from mid south uh, UWF, which is as Barry and I were talking, was essentially a territory. And then you go, uh, you know, Dusty gives you the call, and you go to work for WCW. What is it like going from a territory promotion or territorial promotion, and now you're essentially almost in a corporate environment? Uh, you know, yeah, you're uh, probably getting a more steady paycheck, which is ultimately the game. But what was that like going from a territory into a more corporate sort of atmosphere? Uh, well, you hit it right on the nails. I mean, it was it was I was there once all the corporate crap came down and it, it was like, oh, we're going to put everybody on contracts and we do this and blah, blah, blah. And it was not fun. It was not fun at all. 
going from a ter- territory to it, the only thing that was fun. It was like you said, a steady paycheck. You know what I'm saying? It, but but wrestling under a corporation was not fun. Yeah, and I would imagine too. And I I've been part of uh throughout my professional career of working for smaller companies and then going to work for a larger company or the company gets bought out by a larger company, you're always going to get fucked. There's no way around it. You can delude yourself, but the end result for the employee it's always the worst. On that note, we are joined by Jack Victory. Jack I thought it was the Russian assassin number two, Barry. Well, it might be the Black Marauder. I was it going, could be Jacko. <laughs> it could be Jacko. I, I, yeah, I was calling him Blackmailer. I, I couldn't remember. But Secret people, Service Jack Victory, if you will. Secrets. Jacko. He will yes. be part of the big wrestle show taking place on May the 20th. It is in Middletown Township, New Jersey. Yeah, show going takes, back home. Go, going, going back, back home. So how about going that? Going back how, home. How far is that from where you grew up? Probably 20 minutes, 20 minutes north. Yeah. I mean, if you go, uh, Monmouth County is where this show is. And um, I'm in Ocean County, which is the next county south. Uh, That's where I grew up. You know, a lot of great wrestlers came out of that area. Oh, absolutely, too. And, uh, and actually, right, a lot of the, between Larry Shop's Monster Factory and, the whole Philadelphia connection as well. Absolutely. This is a pretty big show, too. The show does take place between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. that day. Jack will be leaving at 2 o'clock, though. I'm guessing there's a flight back home to Florida that might be taking place. But Jack will be leaving at 2, so he's only there between 10 and 2. Big show. Got Rikishi, Barry Horowitz, Dan Housen, Ron Simmons. Obviously, Jack Jacko will be there. I'm even going to try to make it. I'm right outside of Philly, and I'm not too far away. And uh, I try to go to a lot of the events when uh, when Nick is promoting them. So looking back at your career, you did a lot. You know, you, you were throughout Texas. You worked in West Texas. You worked uh, Wild West, the promotion, WCCW, Bill Watts' UWF, all throughout the NWA under, you know, a, literally a half dozen or dozen gimmicks. What's the highlight of your wrestling career thus far? Oh, God. I mean, it, it, it's hard to uh, hard to bring it down to one one particular moment. You know, back early in the day when, when Watts used to uh, wrestle in the Superdome, and then uh, also I got to wrestle in, uh, you know, Texas Stadium for the Von Erichs when uh, when Flair and Kerry wrestled. We wrestled in uh, in a gimmick uh, that like a three tier uh, cage match. Do you remember that? Like the three tier of death or something like that. It was the craziest thing. Okay. So one of the things I was going to ask you is uh, Barry was a. Uh commenting about your uh, your appearance with Nick Massey. Uh, since you've been uh, Secret Service Jack Victory, Jacko Victory, the Russian Assassin 2, and the New Jersey heartthrob Jack Victory, will ne- uh, Nick be tripling your pay for each character that you'll be appearing in? <laughs> yeah, I need, I, when I hang up with you guys, I, I'm definitely going to call him. <laughs> I'm sure and, Nick will And make that suggestion for, for sure. <laughs> but I, but I heard the uh, I heard the Russian assassin might make a uh, special appearance. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. 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 first that, time that ever. Might be, yeah, well, I, yeah, first time ever that he he might actually be doing signings. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, das Madonna, yeah. as Lou Kippelman would say. <laughs> so, well, listen, Jack, we certainly want to thank you for uh, coming on here, uh, talking a little uh, little tag team action one, uh, with you and John Tatum against the Fantastics. And, uh, you know, we're talking about your appearance coming up with uh, with Nick Massey, uh, the captain. Barry, one last time before we let Jack go, could you mention that date again? Absolutely. It's May the 20th, the show in Middle Township, New Jersey. The show takes place between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. However, Jack is exiting the building. Jack and the Russian assassin are exiting the building I've, at 10 I've, p.m. that day. I've, I've heard rumors that Nick has decided to name the event the New Jersey heartthrob returns to the Garden State. What do you think? <laughs> I'm telling you, if Jack grew up 20 minutes away from this building, I've got a feeling he could actually flood the gates with people that he knows. <laughs> it's time to start putting out them texts and uh, phone calls, Jack, so you can get all those friends that you uh, grew up with uh, out in the Absolutely. building to, to help. So, Well, listen, my friend, we want to say thank you so much for joining us. been a pleasure to talk with you uh, here on Breaking Cafe with Bowdrin and Barry, and stay well, my friend. All right, guys. Barry, I know more than anything, even self-pleasuring, what? you love talking food. God, do I love to talk about food. I, I got to tell you a funny story, too. So We'll be the judge of whether it's funny or not, but go ahead. And really, funny is not the quiet the word. People say, oh, this is so funny. Okay, really, hold on a second. I have, to, funny. I, I have to let the listeners know that uh, I'm recording and my boy Snap is sitting right behind me. And Snap might have just snapped one off if you get my meaning. Oh, he's farting? Nice. There's a lingering, uh, mal, malodorous, uh, and it's not me. You know, it's not, uh, he who smelt it dealt it, but yeah. please continue with your great story. Well, I have to waft and snaps farts. He who well, blames the dog. That. Exactly. <laughs> but I love to talk food. It's literally, I think about food 24 hours a day. And it's not like I think about it and I'm 8,000 pounds, obviously, but I think about flavors. I think about so 24 sevens. That mean you're dreaming about food too. Yeah. So I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and I'll think about what I'm going to cook tomorrow and, and how I'm going to cook it, what ingredients I need and what it's going to taste like. And I go out to a restaurant. Uh, with Linda and Linda, we, Linda actually had to sit me down and do some sort of intervention, uh, because we go out to a restaurant and immediately in my head, I've got like a 60 point checklist that I'm going through going, it's too fucking bright in here. The acoustics suck in here. Took too long for the surfer. I'm overly critical and I'm trying not to be with that. I could talk food 24 hours a day and be happy. Very courtesy of our friends at tastingtable.com. It's the 13 popular fast food cheeseburgers ranked worst to first. Oh, wow. I'm in. Before we start, Barry, do you have a prediction on what number 13 is and what number one might be? <sighs> the worst is, I mean, it's probably, I don't know. It, I mean, the truth is, uh, Best is going to be a little bit easier, I have a feeling. Worst, I don't know. I'll go I'll go rallies, but I well, don't. Uh, let, let me just give you a hint. Sure. It's not a chain. It's a very well-known chain, but not necessarily a chain known specifically for burgers. They're more well-known for another item. So it's a place that that's known. It's Buffalo Wild Wings. In fact, it is not. This isn't Florida, man, but if it were, you'd be wrong. Yeah. At number 13, starting off our list, Barry, it's those burgers at Dairy Queen. <laughs> These people are not a fan of the DQ burger. Oh, we drove by Dairy Queen 
last weekend, and there's a beautiful Dairy Queen, 20 minutes from us, 15 minutes from us in Quakertown, PA. It's a gorgeous, looks like a multi-million dollar building. Like, it's too good to be a Dairy Queen. And their sign up front says, Dairy Queen, try our shrimp and fish combo. And I'm like, Linda, we're, we're pulling in. We're going to get some fried <laughs> shrimp and fish. Let's and she get goes, fish from Dairy Queen. Yeah. And she's like, is Dairy Queen the last place on the earth that you would get it? So what's heartbreaking to hear about this is a lot of people, do you remember the days Dairy, it was Dairy Queen and Brazier? Yes. Was, that was the, they were the foods, I guess no longer, but, uh, Dairy Queen's been pushing their food really hard the last couple of years and it's you know you and they it's all packaged around getting a meal that comes with ice cream but you know so you get your burger fries a beverage and ice cream but they're really pushing their combo meals uh to the point there's commercials on tv and you know you're seeing it i've never had a burger or i don't recall ever having a burger from dairy queen so i gotta admit i'm a little disheartened to hear that it may be the worst burger out there from the chain well and you know here again, it's these chain restaurants that specialize in one thing that try to branch out and appeal to everyone. And, you know, like KFC does not do burgers. You know, they do chicken. Right. You know, and, and that's why when you, you know, Arby's is, you know, they're not offering up, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, hamburgers because they do roast beef. You know, when you start to broaden your horizons, a lot of times what you end up doing, you appeal to more people. But the quality of your food, have you ever gotten a good burger at a Taco uh, Taco Bell? No, because they do tacos. Not right. necessarily great, but they do tacos. And so that's one thing. Dairy Queen has really, you know, trust me, we've got one on the way home and we, uh, are coming in, we go right past the Dairy Queen, and Mrs. Bowdrin is a bit of an ice cream fanatic, and she will say, oh, look, there's not too much of a line there at Dairy Queen. That's my cue to pull in there, Barry, if I want to stay happily married. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Next, at number 12, Barry, oh, a little surprising, or maybe not, that it's this low on the list. It is, I'm going to dare to say, the originator of the fast food hamburger. Who's that, Barry? It'd be McDonald's. McDonald's at number 12. Yeah. Are you surprised you're this low? Not, I mean, the, the basic hamburger at McDonald's is kind of a, uh, you know, it is what it is, right? Like there's not much there. It's probably not the worst thing I've ever had, but I certainly wouldn't say it's good. But with it, it's, uh, it is iconic, right? Like it's an iconic burger. I will say their quarter pounders are good. They, the quarter pounders, I don't know the last time you had one, Jeff, but they changed the way that they, they, that they operate. They only do it with fresh meat. So the burger is juicier. It has more flavor, a little greasier, which I like. So I was okay with that. Apparently McDonald's over the last few days has announced that they're going to be doing a bunch of new things. Fresh meat. They're going to start melting cheese on burgers. You can buy extra Big Mac sauce if you want to dip your fries or something into it. So McDonald's is finally starting to get with the times and do things different. It's not a great burger on its own. But I, I will say it, it's consistent. It's consistent in its mediocrity and the fact that, you know, McDonald's was built on the foundation of consistency, that if I go to one in Cumming, Georgia or Alpharetta, Georgia, and I go to one in New York City, it should be identical. There shouldn't be a difference. And in most cases, they're correct when it comes to the burger. That's how it is. The sad part is 
it's consistent in mediocrity. So, you know, the one thing I find, and I really shouldn't just uh, crap on McDonald's for this here. I'm sure most of the other chains are like this too. The, uh, in the article here, there's a, uh, a picture for McDonald's of their burgers, whether it's the, uh, the quarter pounder, their regular hamburger, cheeseburger, or the, uh, what do you call the Big Mac or whatever. The, what you get when they bring you your bag or they bring you your meal looks nothing like the picture because the hamburgers they offer on this picture, I've never once got, not only from McDonald's, from any of the other uh, major hamburger yeah. chains, they never look this way. Uh, you know, McDonald's, eh, the burger is like, you know, it's like one of these, okay, uh, I need to get something in me. I've got about 20 minutes. Uh, we're running past McDonald's. I know at least the fries are going to be, you know, because you talk about consistency. Usually it's pretty consistent that the fries are going to be uh, pretty top notch. And the burger is just sort of a you know, means to the end, if you will. So uh, next at number 11, Barry, it's their biggest rival, South Florida's own Burger King. <laughs> yes, South Florida's own. I love Well, it. that's where they originated. I know. I just, just hearing it phrased that way, it's South Florida's own <laughs> yeah. Burger King, you know, born and raised in Hialeah. Uh, it is. Uh, Have it your way, Barry. <laughs> So I've always felt, and I haven't had Burger King in probably several years at this point, I, I kind of always felt the burgers were better at Burger King, but the fries are why I went back. The fries and the Coke, right? It's not Colombian. It's really? not Mexican. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right? Right, Bobby Yates? But, is, is, uh, that, is that a side menu there? That's a side menu. Well, in South Florida, it absolutely yeah, can I Can is. I have a uh, burger, fries, and some uh, some cocaine, please? Get a cake and eight ball to go with <laughs> yeah. that Big Mac or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I – uh, I think the burgers are better at Burger King, and I'll go with it. It's, it does have the flame broiled taste. Exactly, yes. With it, I think part of that flame broiled taste is fake. I think there is something in the burger that creates that as well. But, hey, end result, it does taste better. There's a better flavor to it. Uh, and I will say, you know, it's interesting, uh, according to this article here, that uh, they've introduced several new uh, menu items, including chicken fries and the Impossible Whopper, a vegetarian version of the Whopper. So here's my thing. If you're a vegetarian, okay, everybody's got their own right to be their own way. That's not my way. What the fuck would you want to go to Burger King for? <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I mean, you, yeah. you're a vegetarian. Go to the Salad Shack or some other yeah. uh Fucking uh, place like where you're going to get something that is in line with what you want to eat. Why would you go to a burger place to get a vegetarian burger? I don't fucking understand that for the life of me, Barry. What do you think? I, I look, I, I've known vegetarians, you know, throughout much of my career working in restaurants and hearing some of the stories of what they would and wouldn't do just left me with scratching my head. So, you know, here's another one. Uh, White Castle, which really is kind of the the anus of fast food. It may or may not be on this list, Barry. Continue. But, I mean, let's be honest. You may love White Castle. You may hate White Castle. But it doesn't change the fact that it's essentially garbage food. And and I I have this love-hate. I haven't been in seven or eight years. No, I shouldn't say. When we started the podcast, maybe it's been four or five years since I've been to a White Castle. Uh and it was disgusting. I mean, I got to tell you, it's it's disgusting and foul. But at the same time, you know, it, it's White Castle. <laughs> like it's you know, yeah. And yeah, you're not you're not going to White Castle expecting like you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. I if, I know what I'm getting if I walk through White Castle. The last time I was there, I tried their Impossible Burger, 
and they were doing the little White Castles with the impossible meat. And somebody had said in a review that I had read that it actually tasted better than the regular burger. Interesting also that when you bite into it, there's a little bit of redness, I guess, to simulate blood in some form. I took one bite of the impossible burger, and I think it was impossible burger. What was the other one? There was another one. There were two. Impossible. I forget what the other one was called. Regardless, I took a bite of the burger and I felt like, and I could, I could imagine because this never has happened to me, but like a horse just taking a big shit in my mouth is what I was tasting. It, it literally. How about your better knowledge on that, Barry? Well, but literally, you know, the smell of horse shit, that's what I had in my mouth. And I, uh, it was disgusting. And that was the last time I ever ate at a White Castle. So I agree with you. Makes no sense to me why, you know, it, I, I'm vegetarian. I'm going to go to fucking White Castle. Yeah, what, where know. does that? You're gonna, that's, you're, that's like you're going there after we go to Morton's and uh, bitch because, uh, hey, we're going to a steakhouse and they don't have any uh, vegetarian options. Come on, people. Work with yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. At number 10, speaking of a generally crappy product, Barry, it's, it's, I don't know if it's because they've now, uh, emerged or whatever, but at number 10 is checkers and rallies. Yeah, I think, I don't, I, I don't, same company. I don't think they've actually merged. Actually, it says in the article in 1999, they merged through a stock swap. Okay. But it, they're, they're still, they're still two separate brands. Correct. I, but I think I think the reason they're also is I think the menu is identical. Like I I think it's so similar that you know you may have a hard time dis- distinguishing one from the other if somebody just drops you in there. Uh, it's been years since I went to a checkers or a rallies and uh, and there's a reason it's been years, Jeff. Well, and let's uh, be honest, uh, checkers especially. I'm not sure about rallies, but checkers is known for putting their uh their restaurants in a certain part of town that may yep. be uh you know let's just say there's some uh, financial problems in that particular area lower income housing uh or apartments or whatever and so they offer their food at a lower price but guess what you're getting lower quality whether it be uh you know the the hamburger or you know other items on the menu so you stop into a checkers or a rally you should definitely know what you're getting yourself into bear hundred percent. Well, now, Barry, I have to chuckle at number nine. Hold on one second. <clears throat> That's me chuckling, Barry, <laughs> because at number nine is a Barry Rose staple that he and I, we occasionally do this, have disagreed about Barry oh. Rose at number nine. Yes, it's Culver's. That's a low number, but I also can understand it. The Culver's burger on its own is, I think, it's just another burger. I don't think there's anything there that would distinguish it from good, bad, or indifferent. It's what Culver's does. Whether they do the curd burger where you get a double burger and then they put a gigantic cheese curd on it, or uh, they do the pub burger, which it was the pretzel house pub burger, which I was a fucking fan of. Come on a pretzel bun. There's uh, cheese on it. There's pickled onions, just a delicious burger. But on its own, the patty is what the patty is. It's nothing spectacular. I like Culver's a lot. You don't like Culver's. And I think that's more for uh, gastrointestinal issues. Well, uh, you've had a couple of experiences there where you, you spent some time in the, in the office. But uh, for me, I doing love research Culver's. for this fine podcast, I might add. 
You, which is true. That is true, actually. But I like Culver's more for the overall experience. I like going. I like, first off, the service is always better. It's, it's almost the, the Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out burger of, uh, of fast food restaurants or cheeseburger restaurants because service is great. I love the pretzel bites. I like the fact that I can get onion rings here. I like the overall experience as well, but I will, I'll give you that the burger. On its own, like if I was going in and just getting a cheeseburger, it wouldn't be anything to write home about. So controversial opinion at number eight, Barry, as we continue. Uh Because much like Dairy Queen, this is not a place that when I tell you the name of this restaurant, and it's a place that you and I both have been to before, that you say, oh, yeah, that's a burger place. Because what they're known for is Chicago-style beef. And Chicago style sausage and hot dogs, Barry, it's our old friend Portillo's. Do you associate Portillo's with hamburgers? No, and I know that they have it because I've seen it on the menu. I have never tried a burger from Portillo's. But again, you know, if I'm not going to Portillo's twice a week or three times a week, there's no Portillo's near me. Unfortunately, I'm only going to get the Italian. Well, your cardiologist is appreciative of that because otherwise there may be an issue. Yeah, but I, uh, well, but I love, uh, Portillo's. I love it for what it is. I've never gotten the burger. I am still planning within five weeks to be living in the state of Florida near a Portillo's. Maybe I'll get a chance to try one of those burgers then. I guess what I want to ask is, is it fair to judge Dairy Queen as a burger place or Portillo's as a burger place when that's really not what they do? That's just sort of a side item. Yeah, but I don't, it, I agree with you, but if, if what they're looking at is the best and worst burgers that are out there, then I think we can do it. I think if, if Portillo's was calling itself a burger restaurant, that would probably change things. But at the same time, you know, Portillo's and I think Dairy Queen especially, they're probably selling a decent amount of burgers. I mean, if they're Dairy Queen's doing this hard push in advertising currently, which I'm going to guess is millions of dollars in advertising, and uh, you know they're pushing their food. So if you're pushing your food, you got to stand behind it. I think they can be judged on it. By the same token, we could probably judge Dairy Queen on their ice cream as well. You know, I like Dairy Queen, but let's be honest, it's the McDonald's of ice cream in a lot of ways. Mrs. Bowdrum will be aghast at you saying that. I Number seven. Yeah, exactly. Number seven, Barry, I think I am more of a fan of this place than you are, much like you are more of a fan of Culver's than I am. Barry, number seven, Wendy's. Yeah, it, it, Jeff. When we drop this episode about this, we need to ask people if they've ever tried the Portillo's burger. Cause that's, that's actually. I, something. I smell a pole after our Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> well, you can smell a pole if you want, but uh, I prefer <laughs> well, not to have I my mean, pole smelled. So. Maybe, maybe when I was in high school once. <laughs> once, once or twice, the tongue gets on the pole in winter. <laughs> I understand. It was gym class, you know. As- so, you know, Wendy's is funny. There was a post. I, let me go back. I'll go back to when Wendy's first came out because Linda and I were, we were discussing this last week. And the first time I ever tried Wendy's would have had to have been, I'm going to say late seventies. And I tried it in Columbus, Ohio and Columbus, Ohio, where I think Wendy's actually originated, but it's also a test ground for a lot of restaurants. If McDonald's is going to try a new product out before they do it nationwide, they drop it in their Ohio 
McDonald's. Tim Hortons, which you asked me about Tim Hortons a couple weeks ago, their their first U.S. stores were in Ohio. So Ohio, I guess because it's middle America, they this is the test ground. So uh, the first time I ever went to Wendy's, both my parents born and raised in Columbus, and we would go every year on a vacation to see family. Uh, we went to a Wendy's, and I got to tell you, I was just completely blown away. I was young. I wasn't any sort of food connoisseur at that stage, but, you know, I think my point of reference was Burger King and McDonald's. So Wendy's to me was revolutionary. Fast forward a few years and I just had so many negative Wendy's experiences where I just was like, eh, I just don't. And some people love it. I just don't get it. Fast forward again, three weeks ago, a month ago, Jeff, maybe a month ago, there were some posts in our group from our, our listeners about Wendy's and how much they loved Wendy's and how great Wendy's is and what big fans they are of Wendy's. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'm making a mistake. I, I haven't been to a Wendy's in quite a few years. Let me go. I went to Wendy's. I got, uh, I think, a double cheeseburger, maybe even a single, I don't know, fries, a Frosty, and a beverage. And when it was all said and done, Eh, mediocre as could be. So, according to the article, uh, instead of using a circle patty, Dave Thomas uh, introduced the square burger because it would stick out from a circle bun. The squared corners allowed Wendy to show off the juiciness of the burger. But it wasn't just the shape that was different. Then, like now, I'm going to ask you about this part, Barry. Wendy's burgers are cooked from fresh beef rather than frozen beef. True or not? That's true as far as I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah. so like I said, I'm a, I'm a little bit more. That's of a always fan. been the, that's always been the thing that they always hung their hat on too. Our yeah. beef never frozen, always fresh. And now of course McDonald's doing it. Uh, and I, I think you'll probably see some other companies. The thing is, I, I don't know if, uh, if the fresh beef from Wendy's, if it even made a difference to me, like if you would have told me it's fresh, or frozen, I don't know if I would have even known. Like, there was nothing distinguishing it. So was Wendy's the first to, you know, basically advertise themselves as, hey, we're we're offering fresh beef, never frozen? 100%. 100%. Oh, I didn't know if it was in and out that was the first one to do that. And as far as I know, Wendy's was the first to ever do that. in and out may have done it, but uh, you got to remember, too, in and out you know, really relegated to, especially if we're going to go back, let's say Wendy's exploded in the late 70s, how many states was in and out in? I mean, I don't know. I'll say, was it five maybe? So that's a small window. So they may have, Wendy's was a national chain. I'm pretty sure you can go to every state and you're going to find Wendy's. Uh, I'll never forget when Wendy exploded because it was a tragic, tragic event <laughs> on, on the first story of the news. At number yeah. six, Barry, a little bit surprising, i got to be honest with you. Uh-oh. At number six, Barry, White Castle. Very surprising. White Castle, again, to me, it's garbage, but there is a place for garbage. Look, there are certain – I like, you know, it's 3 a.m. Let's go to fucking Waffle House. Let's go to White Castle. It's that kind of deal. Well, at the time we're recording this, Barry, it is April 20th. <clears throat> Ooh. So would that what be? Are you, re- are you partaking on this? On this? Uh, I am not Jeff? a partaker, as you well know. But I I'm know. asking you: Are you going to be, and then possibly looking for a white castle? No, but I can tell you exactly. I am going to be partaking. But let's be honest: that's not something that I just you know pick and choose one day to do. I partake. However, I am cooking tonight. Tonight, Jeff is peanut noodles with chicken. So that's a good look stoner. At you, look dish. at you! You're not going to find that at White Castle. I can tell you that, my friend. 
You will not. Yeah. yeah. So, so White Castle again is, uh, you know, like you said, it's one of those places where you, you don't go there expecting that you're going to, uh, you know, Morton Steakhouse, Peter Luger. First reference ever to Peter Luger on this fine show, by the way, Barry. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're going to fucking White Castle. So, you know, if you go there and you're like, yeah, this isn't that good. Well, you went to fucking White Castle, you know, so why should you be surprised? And exactly. The, there you yeah, go. On the other That's hand, it. if you go there and you're like, yeah, this isn't too bad. Well, you know, you didn't pay a lot for it. So you're, you're good with that. Next up, Barry at number five. Again, I'm going to just put this out there. It seems a little high for me. There is something else at this restaurant that I really like that, quite frankly, is like crack to me, and I have to stay away, and that's their uh, kind of their ices or whatever. It's number five. It's Sonic Drive-In, Barry. Have you ever had a Sonic burger? Yeah, I, I find it a weak burger. Uh, I don't find much. What I like about Sonic is I think any anything that's cold, I think their ice cream is good. I got a s'mores. I don't. It wasn't a milkshake. It was some sort of blended, like a McFlurry deal. But I don't know what they call it at Sonic. But it was s'mores. It was fucking out of this world. And I like the beverages. I like the cherry lime soda that they have. Yep. Yeah. They I, do. I they like, do. They do ice cream and those those uh, flavored uh, ices or whatever. Uh, that shit, man. They're they're tough. And good. like I said, I gotta fucking stay away from there because yeah. there was a period of time. When, uh, I was going there a couple times a week just to get those, uh, you know, the, the, the grape slurpees or slushies or whatever. Yum. And oh, they're fantastic. And then all of a sudden I, I couldn't believe I, how much weight I had put on. <laughs> and like, if you ever see a picture Worth of me it. around 2011, Barry, I'm just going to say. And then I went and had my, uh, my blood sugar checked and the doctor's like, the hell is going on with your blood sugar and the rest as they say is history not such a big fan of sonic since then but man those uh those drinks are great but the burgers eh, very nice so now barry at number four and the, food, the food overall at yes. sonic too is just kind of the where i'll give sonic credit again any the ice creams and the beverages yes. they completely score 100 percent. that's the place to go to i've always found the food to be extremely mediocre regardless of the commercials which make it look like you are going to fucking peter luger uh the, that doesn't work but I, i'll give sonic credit in the fact that they were the first one the first of any of these chains to jump on the bandwagon of tater tots and you know everybody's doing tater tots now you you know fucking dominoes but a lot of full service restaurants are now doing tater tots and sonic they've been doing tater tots since day one and, and that's got to be a relatively inexpensive and that's quick it. and easy to do product so yeah yep. that credit to them for that now Barry, number 4 a place where i will say they sell a good burger uh they sell good fries they have a nice gimmick going but very overpriced, and that's Five Guys. Yeah, so it, it is a good burger, right? There is nothing wrong with the burger at Five Guys. I'll even go on and say you get a double cheeseburger from Five Guys, get a couple of nice toppings on it, and to me, it's it might be as good as any fast food burger out there. Like I, I would have a hard hard time telling you there's another burger the problem you run into is i think that burger is probably like 10 to 12 bucks at this moment yeah if you go there and you get a couple burgers like if you you know my wife and i we go out there we get a couple burgers a couple fries and something to drink we're looking at like oh probably 30 to 35 bucks which is fucking nuts it's it's crazy and i'm sorry as, as much as i think they have a good burger product it's not worth that 
You know, I, I mean, at that at that price point, I'd rather go to some place like a, a sports bar or a tavern where I'm going to get I know a, a burger that's not a fast food burger. You know, it's just the price point is so fucking out of whack, and they got a good gimmick. You know, they got the uh, the the boxes of peanuts. They've got all the different plaques on the wall showing that they were voted best cheeseburger in this city or that city in 19, you know, 98, whatever. Uh, you know, it's like it, kind of a cute gimmick and stuff like that. But the price point, it, it's just ridiculous. And, like, you know, you think about it, if they would just be a little more reasonable on the price point, I think that we get a hell of a lot more business. What do you think? I absolutely they would they would get by my business uh, yeah. above all that's that's the issue I've got is it's just so fucking expensive and I think the last time I went in and it was it was before inflation even or before the craziness of of the inflation that we're currently in and I want to say I got a double cheeseburger fries and a soda and it was over fifteen dollars and it's like. 15 bucks it's good but that's insane and here's the thing when it comes to burgers. Look, I want good pizza. I can't make it in my house. I want really good Chinese food. I can't make that in my house. But I, I want a really good burger. I can make that in my house. And for 15 bucks, I could feed a family of four. So it's, it, you know, to me, it's overpriced. And I, we all know how much food costs these days. I don't think anybody. And, you know, there, there's no justification. Five Guys is making some serious money. I'm just going to point out that Mr. Baldrin may have made burgers on the grill over this past weekend. <clears throat> how well were they, by well, the way? Of course, they were delicious. I there made them, go. for God's sakes. So, there you uh, go. Won't get into the uh, the aspect of the fact that we had the windows open, and because of the barbecue grill smoking, that our smoke detector in the attic went off. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go into the fucking attic to turn it off. So anyway, uh, but the burgers were great. I, I need to hear them there. Now, Barry, we're getting to the top three. This is where the rubber meets the road, if you will, Barry. Number three, I don't think you're a big fan of this particular place. Uh -oh. But, Barry, if I was to suggest to you a white truffle burger featuring Fontana cheese and a rich and creamy white truffle sauce, would you be interested? Uh, yeah, so not my first choice. But I, is it, I, I'm trying to think of the chain. Uh this sounds like Umami Burger, which is a high-end chain. I don't know who else would be doing Shake Shack. They're doing a white truffle burger now? Yes, indeed, according to this article. I like Shake Shack, and uh, I think Bruce Cohen, uh, my brother in food, is a gigantic fan of Shake Shack. I like them. I've eaten at Shake Shack probably a dozen or so times. Uh, I think partly – the issue that I have with Shake Shack is very similar to what we just discussed when it came to uh, Five Guys is their pricing. Their pricing's out of control. There was an article that was out last week or the week before, and if you do Google research, you'll be able to find it. It called Shake Shack the worst value, the worst fast food value for your buck that you get the least for the most amount of money. So I think Shake Shack is good. I think their burgers are actually pretty good. I like everything about it, but fuck, I got to take out a loan before I go in these days. So did you know, according to this article, again from tastingtable.com, that Shake Shack began as a humble hot dog cart in New York City's Madison Square Park over 20 years ago? Did you know that? So I did. So the guy who runs it, his name is Danny Meyer. And he is a guy. Is he a listener? That, 
He should be. Uh, so at my former job, which I was working. Server I, manager. Uh, neither. I, this is open okay. table. So, gotcha. but I, yeah, but you got, but open table for a decade and the board of advisors, uh, Danny Meyer sat on that board. So he actually wrote a book about hospitality, et cetera, that I've read. It's a great book if you're in that field. Uh, so I'm very familiar with Danny Meyer and his story. Uh, with that, he made a success out of himself. You know, I mean, again, this was a guy, he's got full service restaurants. He's got fast food restaurants, but he started off with a fucking hot dog cart. So you got to give him props again, like Shake Shack. It's just way overpriced. He's gone from a uh, hot dog cart in New York city to over 300 locations worldwide. The article says still its commitment to using high quality ingredients and cooking techniques has remained unchanged. Uh, in addition to their burgers and hot dogs, Shake Shack also offers crave-worthy milkshakes that satisfy your sweet tooth. You ever had a shake there, Bear? Many times, and mm-hmm. they do. And what's good about it, it, it isn't like McDonald's uh, where it's it, um, it's a milkshake. They don't even call them milkshakes. They just call them shakes. And where it comes out of a machine, Shake Shack, they actually make a milkshake for you, and they're pretty creative with it. So I give them a lot of credit with that. At number two, Barry controversial opinion that I know you're going to want to know and talk about Uh is a beloved chain founded in 1948 by Harry Snyder in Baldwin Park, California, Barry. At number two on this list, number two is In-N-Out Burger. Well, what that means is I'm fully aware of what number one is now. Uh, because there is a big contract. Royal Castle! No, I'm <laughs> Boy, haven't had a Royal Castle. We used to have one, Jeff, in Miami on like, uh, 35th Avenue, really bad part of town. And I used to actually venture just to get those Royal Castles because they were so good. Uh, so I do know what number one, at least I'm assuming what number one is going to be because, uh, at, you know, there's always the controversy, which is better. Is it whatever number one is or what I assume number one is or in and out? In and out does a great job with the burgers. They do a great job with the fries. They do a great job with the beverages. They do a great job with service. It's the Chick-fil-A. Everybody's friendly. The lines move quick. Uh, the food is always moving. Uh, it's a great value. I think if anything, in and out hits on the value of what you pay. Uh, it's cheaper than McDonald's at this stage. And the quality is, I mean, through the roof, is it the best burger I've ever had? It's not. Is the overall experience something that I crave and miss? Absolutely. Uh, I, You know, it's hard for me to say because, again, if number one is what I'm assuming it is, I've never had it, and I don't know. You have, if, again, if I'm assuming correctly, and a lot of other people have, but I've never had it, I'm going to make a, a – you know, I'll wait till you get to number one before I talk about it. Well, but I do love In-N-Out Burger. It is I've never had a bad burger or a bad experience. So it says here uh, in the article, though the burgers and cheeseburgers do not come with mustard, you can request that your burger or cheeseburger be made animal style as a mustard burger, Barry. Yes, so I've gotten the animal style multiple times. I'm not a mustard guy on burgers. I like mustard. I just don't put it on my burger. The animal style is, I, I guess there's some mustard in there, but it's more of like a, uh, it's a mustardy, uh, secret sauce, you know, Thousand Island type of deal. 
So, uh, so it is really good. I always get the animal style on my fries and then I'll dip the burger a little bit in that animal style. It says, uh, for uh, this unique twist, your cook will cook one side of the beef patty as normal and add mustard on the raw side. Then when they flip over the patty, the mustard cooks right into the beef. This interesting cooking method made its appearance in 1961, which is, by the way, Barry, a great year for many, many reasons. <laughs> so now, Barry, let's get to number one and tell me what you have now presumed that the number one choice is. It's Whataburger. It is not Whataburger. You're kidding. They don't even make the list? They are not even on the list, which is, quite frankly, a little shocking. So, let's be honest. Who, whose fucking list is this? <laughs> So rallies and checkers is on this list in Whataburger, and which Dairy a lot of people, Queen and, and Dairy Queen. Oh, this is okay. So somebody's fucked up royally here because the debate always is: is Whataburger? And a lot of people will tell you that it is. Is Whataburger better than In and Out? Wow. At number one, Barry, a place that I have been to that I actually really like. Uh, is it the best burger of of all of them? Ah, I don't know. I'm just saying I liked it. Uh, and we used to go to the one there in lovely metropolitan Coral Springs, Florida. It's Burger Fi, Barry. So the second you said that, when you were telling me where, that you used to go, I used to go to Burger Fi all the time. And I remember us having those conversations. I've had Burger Fi twice. The first time I had it, uh, I had Burger Fi. I'm trying to think where the fuck I had it. I was with the, I think it was Orlando because I was with both my kids and I think it was Orlando. And then I had Burger Fi, I believe during the last fan fest, which would have been in November. It was either November or the June fan fest. And I was, uh, disappointed. I should say I just, I, I got, I think it was a truffle burger. I got speaking of the truffle burgers and I just found it. Very much like Culver's, but with a uh, a Shake Shack or Five Guys price attached to it. Because I think I paid fifteen or sixteen bucks when it was all over, but I didn't love it. I just didn't love it. I uh, it just didn't resonate with me. I, I a lot of people like Burger Fi. I've heard it's great. Maybe I just got the wrong thing. But again, the first time I was happy, right? Like it was good. It just didn't blow me away. So, uh, let me just, uh, read from the article while I also am relatively stunned that Whataburger, if it's not in the top three or even the top five, it, it has to be on the fucking list. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of amazing. Uh, anyway, it says, uh, Barry, uh, it's flagship burger fi burger does not have any cheese for those who love a little heat like Barry Rose, the swag. Uh, burger, which is the spicy Wagyu, is a must-try. It features a double-premium Wagyu blend patty, charred jalapenos, candied spicy bacon, a helping of sweet tomato relish, pepper back, uh, pepper jack tree cheese, and a hot steak sauce. Have you ever tried that pair? No, that sounds actually sounds really fucking good too. Now you want to go get a burger, don't you? <laughs> I do, and, it's, and I'm having peanut noodles, but I I really do. I I think we need to. Uh, and, and you know what? Congrats! I the guy that owns it was on Top Chef years ago, uh, and it's the same company, Jeff, if I'm correct, that also owns Anthony's. Anthony's uh, it, start, it started out in 2011 in Lauderdale by the Sea, Florida. Oh well, there you go. We're at home of uh, the late Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. That's true. 
Uh, also, they mentioned the uh, the CEO burger. This burger has double premium Wagyu blend patty, homemade candied bacon, tomato jam, rich truffle aioli, and aged Swiss cheese. That might have been the one that I got then. I I thought it was maybe I I couldn't taste the burger. I think that was part of the problem. The last time I got the burger, I sat outside with Ozzy, beautiful night, beautiful weather, excited, got this beautiful burger, at least according to the menu board with the photo. And uh, I think there just may have been too much shit on it, you know, because I couldn't taste the burger. And Wagyu beef, first off, it's not really Wagyu beef. I, You know, that's uh, it, a Well, it's a double premium Wagyu blend. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> the same way they don't call them milkshakes at McDonald's. They call them shakes because, uh, yeah, but it is a blend because Wagyu is, it would be, you know, a super expensive, uh, burger if it was a hundred percent Wagyu beef. But I, maybe I need to go back to Burger Fi and I need to, uh, maybe just get a cheeseburger with onions and pickles like I like and not all the fancy sauces and gimmicks and shit to see what it's really about. I got to tell you, I, there's another chain that's been left off this list, and I think Whataburger, again, I've never had it, but I understand the importance of them being on this list because their defenders are are hardcore. They will, you know, I'm on like three different in and out groups and every so often, it's almost like the WWE versus AEW fans. Every so often, a, 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 a somebody will sneak in a Whataburger fan and just start to trash in and out burger, but with that kind of passion, where there's smoke, there may be some fire. So I am going to try Whataburger. Uh, when I move down to Florida, there's the one in Jacksonville, and I completely am going to make a trip, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to have lunch there. There's another chain that's not on this list. And uh, first off, Red Robin, I'm assuming, has been disqualified. That, yeah, yeah that, that's very fair. I've had uh, burgers at Red Robin that I thought were very good. Yeah, it's it, better than fucking Dairy Queen, I'm assuming, right? Or something. And the only reason is maybe they don't consider Red Robin to be quote unquote fast food. That's, you know, and that's, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. But the other one that, that they don't have is Elevation Burger. And while Elevation Burger doesn't have the reach that some of the other, you know, restaurants have, they use organic beef, uh, which is a really, it's very tasty. And they, they hand cut their, fr- they don't hand cut them. They have a machine. Uh, on the wall that you put the potato in, I guess it's a julienner, a julienne thing, and then they they pull it down and it makes French fries. And then they the French fries go in water. They fry all of their French fries in olive oil. So the quality of the food is really good. This also falls into I the last time I went was five six years ago, and I think I paid fifteen or sixteen dollars, and I said I'll never go back. I, again, I could feed a family of four for what I'm getting. It's ridiculous, but it was really tasty. With that, leaving off Whataburger and Elevation Burger off this list is a miscarriage of justice. So as we wrap up this segment, let me just Great ask segment, you. by the way. Thank you. I always uh, know that you're in, up for some food talk. Do you think it's more surprising slash shocking what isn't on this list or what is? Deep breath, Barry. Now exhale. So you're in a safe place, Barry. You're a do you living. Promise? Bre- you're a, in a you're a living, breathing organism. Someone, right. someone told me once that uh, told me that once when I was uh, under the influence of something. <laughs> I think <laughs> you know that story. <laughs> I do. I do. That was a great story. Uh, 
I'm going to say it's more shocking what's on this list. And then, of course, guilty by association, what's not on the list because these are gross emissions. But, you know, if you're so focused on putting Dairy Queen, White Castle, Rally's Checkers, and Portillo's of all places that, you know, really, do people go into Portillo's to get a burger? And that is a great poll. Uh, to me, that's, that's, that's the more egregious of these two uh, errors on this list. All right, Barry, as we begin to wrap this up, do the old go home once again here on episode 290. Barry, I know that you and I, I, I've seen this in the theater, but you told me that you recently had a chance finally to see Cocaine Bear. Not Cocaine Barry, uh, that's maybe in your youth, but the movie Cocaine Bear. Yeah, you're going back about 35 years on that one. So <laughs> that goes Maybe back to some edibles. You know, you've got yeah, exactly. That goes back to the 80s. But again, it was the 80s. That's what we all did. So uh, my girlfriend, the lovely Linda, and myself were able you to sit to squeeze down. That, that comment in every episode now. She well, has got you under her thumb. She's she saying, does. by God, Barry, you better fucking call me your girlfriend every episode. Yeah, and I did that one special because we're actually doing a special recording today. It's a Sunday afternoon. We normally record during the week. However, Linda is home with me. So I make sure that I'm squeezing in uh, the your lovely squeeze. Linda. My squeeze. My squeeze is getting squeezed into this episode. Exactly. But we sat down last uh, Sunday. We watched Cocaine Bear. I got to tell you, that may have been the most fun 95 minutes I've spent quite a while from start to finish this is a movie that it has everything you know you've got your first you've got a completely ridiculous premise that's the, actually based on some truth though based on truth but it's a little ridiculous there's some violence in this but it's just a lot of fun i mean at the end of the day this is as goofy a movie as you can get it's also one of the most watchable movies i probably have seen in years and jeff did you have a chance to catch the the real life cocaine bear documentary that they're airing on peacock right now as well I did not. I will tell you, though, that Cocaine Bear is available on Peacock, uh, if I'm correct. Right yeah, that's there. where I saw it. Yep. Yeah. That's and exactly uh, they, there is the, as Barry mentioned, the documentary. Uh, I'm going to be checking that out because uh, funny story about Peacock, Barry. Uh, so uh, I wanted the wife to check to see if we still had uh, Peacock uh, available to us or if I was going to have to subscribe because I had sub- uh, subscribed a, a few years ago uh, when we were with <clears throat> another company, Barry. I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want them coming after me for that $5. But the wife goes to check on our account. She says, oh, yeah, no, we can get Peacock. All we have to do is sign in. So I didn't have to pay for the uh, particular item that I watched on Peacock, but uh, I will be availing myself of the opportunity to watch the Cocaine Bear documentary, Barry. So I will tell you also one of the things about the movie, it's a lot, as Barry said, lots of fun. If you are a fan, Barry, of the TV show The Americans uh, that used to be on FX, uh, I, I think it's off the air now, a, couple, a year or two, but uh, there's a, uh, uh, Carrie Russell is kind of the star of the movie who was in The Americans, uh, a character actress named Margot Martindale. She was on that show. She plays like sort of the park ranger in Cocaine Bear, uh, but just tons of fun. There's uh, the guy that played the congressman uh, or the assemblyman on the TV show The Wire uh, is one of the uh, police officers that are uh, trying to find the missing cocaine. So there's all kind of character actors and actresses that you'll uh, you'll recognize in this movie. It is tons of fun, uh, and it is a Barry Rose and uh, Bowdrin the Booker approved movie available to you on Peacock. 
Now, that being said, Barry, before we finally cross the finish line, trust me, we're going down the line here, just about to put our nose across the wire. Barry, I'm going to put something out there for the listeners, for the people in our group. We're at episode 290, Barry, which means we're getting close to the old finish line, literally, of this weekly episodic podcast. So I wanted to ask the listeners, Barry, what do you want from us before we go? Barry and I have discussed possibly doing a movie review uh, here on the show again. You know, uh, we might do another Q&A segment. We might do an Unsolved Mystery segment. Uh, what is it that you'd like to see us here do on one of the regular episodes before we go? Patreon only. That's coming, folks. Five dollars. That's all we're asking. You'll get two episodes a month from Bowdrin and Barry and Lewis J. Kippelman, Esquire. So what do you, the listener, want? Barry, what possibly could they ask for? They want more shit stories. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly. That's what, what they're Well, I can tell for. you that's what Judd Philpot wants, or Philpot. <laughs> that's what he wants. Uh, he wants Philpot. to hear more colorectal stories about yep. the adventures of a young Barry Rose. Were you fully quaffed at that point when your bowels exploded on some poor guy's fucking lawn? <laughs> I was not. <laughs> so, ball-headed Barry Rose, spread the ass cheeks, baboom. <laughs> poor sap woke up and said, what the fuck is this shirt doing on my lawn? Picked up the shirt, and holy shit, look what's happening now. Breaking kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry, a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Network. I'm sure Brian Lass is extremely proud of that story. Oh, uh, my, yeah. uh, our producer, Lou Kippelman, my host, Barry Rose, and my boy, Gunny. Even though we're telling shit stories, I have not forgot about my boy, Gunny. I love you, buddy. And, Lewis, take it home. We'll see you next week. Buddy.